Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stadio podcast. No, no, that's terrible. Ha <laughs> <laughs> just saved that. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Hello, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm right. Thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, for several reasons, football-related reasons. Oh, yeah? Yep, yep, yep. Obviously, as you tweeted the other Friday, uh, La Liga is back. La Liga is back. And uh, Ligue 1, the French first division, is very interesting. <gasps> so I was just saying, actually, earlier, before we started, um, that I'm apologising advance to any sort of uh, PSG fans, but I did find it hilarious that Ren beat PSG only because Ren beat PSG 2-1 and they seem to have this thing over them. So I think they beat them in the French Cup final. Nari lost to them in the Super Cup final and then just did them again the other day. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Tom and Jerry. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> very enjoyable. Anyone who hasn't checked out that result, it's, um, uh, the highlights are great actually. The first goal by PSG is like so awful. It's like a terrible defense. Yeah. Oh. Nightmare. Yeah, good. What a weekend for football. I said that last weekend. But it, but it has been really good. Yeah, Bundesliga's back. Ooh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot to say there. Where, where should we start? Should we start with... Um, well, before we get going, I want to just uh, tell a little story. That's oh, all right. Gather round, fireplace. Musa, listeners, take a walk with me. Let's go. <laughs> Maybe I should put some music under this. You should, you should. So long story short, a couple of days before we were due to announce Stadio, which had been ready to go for ages, we'd had uh, all the design stuff done. It was kind of too far down the line to change. We got hit to a, um, an announcement of a, like a, an Instagram account, which was also called Stadio Mag. So anyway, we got in touch and basically explained what we were doing and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's run by this young dude called Archie from Scotland, Archie Ellis. And it was a rebranding of a previous thing that he'd had. And he's got a new name for it. It's called Footballista. So we said that we'd plug it on the podcast, give him a little bit of a nudge. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's Footballista Mag. So F-U-T-B-O-L-I-S-T-A-M-A-G.com. And then at Footballista Mag on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, go support Archie. Big up Archie. Awesome. Yeah, we'll be watching, retweeting and all the rest of it. Yeah, engaging. definitely. Yeah, yeah, get involved, people. Get involved. Good lad. So yeah, football. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's get start with the football. Um, That's Premier. why we're here, Musa. <laughs> okay. I good. haven't seen any Marvel movies this week, so oh, I well, can't drop any references. Me neither, me neither. I have been watching outtakes, but no full movies. But I tried I was... to watch Endgame, but I didn't have time. It's like four hours. It's like Apocalypse Now, isn't it? Apocalypse Now? Apocalypse. <laughs> You're going to keep all this in, aren't <laughs> I'm going to give it. Oh, Abaka Juniors oh, Ellipse Now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. Uh, Premier League, City Spurs, which I find to be a hilarious fixture. Because I think that fixture is actually the pressure point of the Premier League. Well, it's now building a real rivalry as well, isn't it? You know, with what happened in the Champions League and... But it's deeper than that. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying it's adding to it each time. But, but what I love about this game in particular is the fact that Pochettino was the first person to just blow Guardiola's spot. Because we don't talk about it now, but Guardiola's first season when they came third, I think, he... They were flying. They often won the first six games. I, mean, oh, I thought you were talking about Barcelona. Espanol, oh, no, City Spurs. Going way back. Yeah, <laughs> When, when, um, when Guardiola first arrived, people were talking as if he'd invented football. And they won the first, first six games. They scored like 18 goals, I think, in six matches. And they were flying. And then Pochettino played them. Or Spurs played them at White Hart Lane. And they just blew them away. And they played, they basically played 
hyper speed. So they beat them to every ball, pressed them out of sight for 90 minutes and beat them 2-0. And that kind of broke the sort of City mystique. And City then lost, I think, two games consecutively in December, three games out of four, and that did them. And the Spurs game is what upset them. And it's so funny that at crucial points in Guardiola's career, <laughs> Pochettino's just turned up and been like, ha is, is Pochettino, is he the Wren to Guardiola's PSG? No, he's worse. He's his joker. He's the, dark, he's the Dark Knight. He's the Dark Knight. You know, like when the Dark Knight, you know, when like uh, Heath Ledger's like swinging in the breeze in that final scene, the iconic scene. You and I are destined to do this forever. Exactly. All you need is a push. And that's what it is. He's his Dark Knight. <laughs> he's his joker. <laughs> Poor Guardian on his high speed bike. Just can't kill Pochettino. <laughs> the pet mobile. He's the pet <laughs> Oh my god. That's so good. That's so good. And the Petmobile is more souped up every single film in the series in the franchise. It's yeah, he's always up. got new toys. He but comes he back with each episode new toys. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? You know, he's joker. got a Rodri. He's like, he's got a Rodri. Oh yeah, my but, god, what's a Rodri? And the Joker just comes out with a cap gun. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that it's always VAR. I mean, that is the most joker thing ever. Oh, no. It's VAR. It's amazing. It's so perfect. I, mean, I don't want to laugh at Guardiola too much. But it's just so perfect. Well, let's get out. real though. As the laws are, it's the correct decision. It was. But yes. unfortunately, as we've mentioned before last year, and we probably mentioned it last week, yeah. VAR has highlighted how certain laws just don't work when they come under that level of technical scrutiny. So they yes. have to... Oh, two dudes talking about VAR. What sorry, a revolutionary sorry, podcast. Sorry, sorry. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's going to lead to rule changes, isn't it? I suppose the question is, what's the philosophy behind the rules? Is it to contribute to a flow of the game, a compelling spectacle. And at the moment, it feels like they're still working it out. And it was the right decision, but my goodness. I mean, what's the crazy thing about this is that this is a crucial game. As early as it is in the season, this is a crucial match. Yeah. And Spurs are delighted because, frankly, I mean, City really went at them. And no disrespect to Spurs. Spurs are a fantastic team, but City are just, they have that many playmakers and they cause that much trouble. One thing I do have a slice of hot take for. Uh-oh. So I was, um, I was, basically traveling between us, I was heading to a friend's um, work event. So I caught only um, the latter part of the first half and then the rest of the match. So I was on, I was on, on route and I saw this sort of De Bruyne assist for Sterling's goal. Ugh. No, no, actually, no, 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 no. I'm going to hot take this. I was like, really? I was like, is, is crossing in the Premier League like that? No, but it was one of those like, really lovely trajectories yeah but, and actually it's just but that it's kind be, of it's like it's kind of crossing 101 really thank you thank you that's what i'm saying that's the standard and i saw the cross and i'm like no offense but i love kevin de bruyne you know everyone knows that the podcast heard me talk about this before his passing is mind-blowing i remember thinking that's the pass everyone's getting nuts over do like, you know what it is it's a carbonara quite simple but really beautiful yeah but you know, you don't need a huge amount of technical nows to make a nice carbonara. It's a bit like when someone has like Sudanese food in Berlin. They're like, oh my goodness, this place, OMG, it's amazing. You're like, and they tell you where they ate. And you're like, yeah, it's good. But there's literally five spots I can tell you better than that. Wow. It was like that. Just, it was like, yeah, it was like a suit. It was like a... It's like you just dissing yourself. Well, it's like a oh, regular... I've got some news, by the way, on food stuff. Oh, okay, what's that? Right. So there's a Pakistani cafe opening in Berlin. What? Where's that? So it's going to do Nahari. You know, like my favourite dish in the world. Ooh, where's that? Where's that? Um, You're going to say it here? I podcast? can't remember what the address is, but they've not opened yet. But when they are open, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm yeah, put that in. Because right, yeah. literally the thing I miss the most about living in Manchester is this Nahari spot we used to go to called Cabana. Levels. Every Sunday. Oh, I mean, obviously, apart from my family. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, I'm friends. Uh, I love you all. I miss you very much. And they did a pop-up, a Nahari pop-up. 
I was away. And it's oh. this, like, I wake up Sundays, like, craving this thing. Right, right. It's unbelievable. If anyone hasn't tried Nahari, find a really good Nahari spot and try it. But anyway. How soon is it opening? Couple I don't months. know. Not soon enough. Well, absolutely. Well, keep updated. Yeah, I'm hoping listeners, they'll sponsor the podcast. <laughs> the listeners, there's a Stadio Foodcast. We're always... <laughs> oh, listen, yeah, we're, sorry. We're here to talk about football. No, no, it's the Foodcast. We're always happy. Any listeners who happen to run uh, delicious uh, restaurants, we're always happy to um, provide a tasting, a live podcast recording, you know, if any of you are choosing. So, yeah. We um, will give you a plug. We will. Um, so yeah, City Spurs, great game. Weird touchline altercation between Guardiola and Aguero, but that's just been a thing that's ah, been simmering. I mean, it's just, that's nothing. It is what it I is. I think. Right, right, right. No biggie. Liverpool Southampton avoided a banana skin there. That was very interesting. Adrian doing his best to drop them some points, like you predicted last week. Well, I just think it's the adjustment, isn't it? You know, when you play out from the back, like Liverpool do, these are the occupational hazards, and you get a team that are quite alert, like Southampton. Mm. These will happen. What's interesting about Liverpool, though, and I will say this, is um, I went through and I was comparing the Liverpool squad of 2013-14, which was you know, their first sort of major title challenge in a while um, since the Benitez years, and I compared it to this squad, and it's just the difference is yeah, mind-blowing. Another league. To the point where I'm not even sure how many of those Liverpool players get into this Liverpool team, and I want to just give credit to any Liverpool fans listening. Jordan Henderson, to retain his place and evolve through different iterations of the Liverpool team is so impressive. And the way he handled getting dropped from moments of last season as well and came back. Right. And the criticism he's had to, mm. to become the captain of Liverpool in the wake of Gerrard and win a Champions League, it's just incredible. He's a glue guy. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's a glue guy. He's uh, on the uh, Adrian Allison thing, shout to Ash. Yes, as always. He's, I doing? think he's our only listener in Tbilisi. Unless he's, although, actually, last week, I checked the stats. We had a few more, so I think he's been telling friends. Oh, in wow. Tbilisi, Georgia. My goodness, we're developing us. He tweeted us saying, thoughts on this. And it was Jermaine Genus on Five Live. Right. Basically saying, Alisson is no Edison and that the absence of Alisson is not going to have a massive impact on Liverpool's style of play. In fairness to Genus, maybe he just doesn't watch that much Alisson. Yeah, well, he was saying that, the, you know, Alisson makes mistakes, but I think this is just a volume thing. So right. goalkeepers are playing the ball out a hell of a lot more. Right. Teams are pressing a hell of a lot more. Right. Therefore, the math. Occupational hazard. Yeah. You know that always sunny in Philadelphia meme? Right. I've got the cigarette. I'm being like, guys, <laughs> the volume's going up, right? Yeah, exactly. Therefore, you're going to make more errors, but you're also going to play more passes out. So, I mean, it's not like Edison never makes mistakes. Exactly. Any, any ball-playing exactly. goalkeeper is going to make mistakes. How many times have people jumped on people like Neuer whenever they've made a mistake or you know, Leno when Leno first started at Arsenal he got caught a couple of times Lloris who was kind of like well. yeah. yeah De Gea it's one of those things that because it's quite a new phenomenon and there's a, I think there's a lot of pundits who retired before that real evolution of the game they right. think it's a bit of a nonsense they just like you know whack it up field yeah get in the mixer get out of danger oh, okay. you know, uh, <laughs> away you know and actually Bringing that added level of technicality into it, I think, again, I'm going down a little bit of a wormhole here, but I think that no, removes them from the game that they know. That's right. Further yeah. and further. That's right. You know, a lot of these pundits you tend to see jump on things that suggest that the game is technically better than when they played because mm. they don't really like It's that. a threat. It's a threat. Yeah. 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 And yeah. that's I understandable. Get I get it. Yeah. But I it. Uh, yeah, I mean, go and check it out. See if you think this is taking up too much time. <laughs> No, no, it's, no, it's, it's worth it's worth to go into it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna publish my essay on <laughs> the volume. <laughs> We've all got our bugbears, haven't we? We've all got little things. That sort of stuff. I'm really ratty this morning. 
I was right about the De Bruyne's cross, and that was completely. I'm yeah, gonna get true. a lot of stick. I mean, that. it looked beautiful. It did. It was glorious. It's gorgeous. Lovely trajectory. Yeah, like the like Christmas lights. Yeah, and you know, moving on from the Carbonara reference, let's talk about some sauce. Oh, Segway. That was a really <laughs> that was good, right? What's that Roots maneuver bit when he goes Segway? What's that song? Is it Witness the Fitness? And he just goes Segway. That's a Segway. Yeah. yeah. Um, to Arsenal, maybe. Oh well, it's funny you mentioned that. Actually, speaking of sauce, that's a that's very kind of you. What? But then again, Burnley is kind of the game that would have been a banana skin for Arsenal. Well, I mean, I don't think Sean Dyche has ever taken points off Arsenal in the Premier League. Mm. But us, but they always give Arsenal the game. Right. You know, the thing that I really like about this Arsenal team this season, I think I said it on Twitter, is that they still got a lot of players to come back. Right. They've got new signings to integrate and they just look way more dynamic than they have done for a long time. I think Ceballos and Guendouzi in that Arsenal midfield and David Luiz at centre-back. He was good. You just right? see how, how quickly Arsenal moved the ball now compared yeah. to what they have done over the last couple of years. It's always been a problem for Arsenal. Mm. The major, pro- And that's why I think, actually, we've spoke about it off-air before, but how I think Ozil might have a good season when he comes back in this year because right. last season, Arsenal really struggled to get him the ball. And the, and the same the, and the, same the yeah. year before, it's been slowing yeah. down. As Arsenal's midfield yeah. has been slowing down, the amount of times he gets on the ball is slowing down. And I think now... Arsenal have real passes and real pace going forward as well. This is actually something that's important, isn't it? I think the point you make there, you imply the higher tempo you play with Ozil, the better he is. If you oh, yeah. look at the, sort of the, the games, I mean, I always talk about the um, Italy-Germany game in the Euros when he was out of this world against Conte and just sliced them up. Mm. I mean, his movement, his touch. And I think the, the speed allows him to make the angles and, and then dictate the runs for others. So that's really exciting. Great to see, I mean, maybe in quite an old school sense, great to see Two forwards as good as Lacazette and Aubameyang both scoring. I love seeing that. I just love it when two elite strikers both score. And Lacazette's goal, can I say, that is members of Marcelo Salas. Oh, who, this, was a Sa- this was a Salas-style finish. Someone who really liked to get across your man. He's one of the best in world football at getting across his man in the six-yard, eight-yard area. So good at holding people up as well. It's and like forcing an angle. And the, 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 the foot speed. He, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's the um, holding people up. It's a combination of strength but slight of foot because mm. I've seen the, the way the guy spins, turns into the box, and then to get the shot off as he was falling, like a fadeaway sort of and jump shot. he almost shot. kind of hits it with his lower shin. He kind it of also, like cuts down on it, you know. Yeah, it was almost like, I thought it was like hitting off his laces. Or like, like, yeah. It was almost like it was completely horizontal and he hit it like, um, like a fadeaway jump shot when someone's got a hand in your face. Ooh. Does that make sense? That's how it felt to me. But yeah, great. I love that. And I, I want to emphasize he that. He was kind of breakdancing. I just think that hanging out with Lacazette, a night out would be the coolest. Oh, him and Aubameyang just seem like so much fun. They're having so much jokes. Like there. when Pepe signed for Arsenal and they sent out those things on Instagram with the like, where are you? <laughs> so much fun. Oh my goodness. I bet they're great fun. But actually, I think that's a good word. This Arsenal team looks fun at the moment. Danny Ceballos was brilliant on the weekend. And it's, it was really nice to see someone who has that kind of ability to move the ball between both feet, dribble past players in central midfield. And also the thing that was really key about him, he got a lot of plaudits for that on the weekend, but the way he won the ball back for Aubameyang's goal. Yes. And you saw him celebrating. Really impressive, yeah. You know, really good work. Nicolas Pepe made a meme out of someone. Pepe made a meme out of PSG, to be honest. So. <laughs> I mean, anyone that, see, anyone that saw the, I mean, most people listening will have, I think, seen at least the highlights of what Pepe did to PSG last year. But, oh, yeah. Uh, he's a, he is a fire star. Yeah, and it, I think it's quite encouraging for Arsenal. I mean, they go away to Liverpool next week. so. It could all come crashing down after a 6-1 defeat, mm. after going 1-0 up in the first few minutes. That's what's going to happen, isn't it? 
There are games you can get too early in the season, aren't there? Spurs was too early in the season for City, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Games like that, you really need to be in a rhythm. Yeah. Um, and you really need everyone available, obviously. Wow. Great insight, right? <laughs> right, wow. That's, that's, that's why I get the big bucks. Anyone else in the print? Oh, Chelsea. Yeah. Interesting. I think, um, you know, that they're, they're a team that needs time. Pedro, unbelievably quick. I don't know what kind well, of... We had a couple of questions about this, actually. Should we oh, really? dive into okay. it? Let's go. Okay, sure. Okay, so uh, one of them from... Um, oh, great name. Communal Electric. Oh, wow. How do you rate Pedro? There you go. Unbelievable. Vampire blood. The feet are so quick. He's the so feet big. are so quick. I'd love to know what Pedro's diet's like. Plant-based. I think he's plant-based and he's yoga. I think he's on that side of... What's that protein? What's that thing? The ket a bit? What the... Um, it's all about pro, yeah, pro, pro, on the ket diet. Ket. <laughs> <laughs> Pedro Dan Bergheim with his glow sticks. You think no. ket, ket would show up on the doping thing? I think he's on low cut, dude. <laughs> blow up. Think, I don't know. Do you think it would blow up the urine sample. <laughs> if you put ket, it would be glowing. The urine but would surely come you wouldn't punish people for being on ket in a football game, would you? If someone, if someone took ketamine and they gave a urine sample... It would come out glowing, and there'd be a rave tune playing. It would, it's the most—I mean, it's the most detectable. It must be a detectable drug. Yeah, but it does—it's definitely not performance at that thing. <laughs> we don't know. We don't, we don't know. I was involved in the music scene in Manchester. I've seen many examples. We've had a strong sample size. It's funny how you keep dropping these musical, these hints. Oh, as I need to, to stop you... that. <laughs> ignore that. Ignore that. Every podcast we draw back the veil more and more, don't we, Ryan? Oh, we draw it's because it. no one cares anymore. There's been enough time. <laughs> um, we'll return. To, you're, you're becoming a meme, by the way. Oh no, am I? Secret DJ. Oh god, is that like secret football, but less interesting? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no one oh, cares. Secret football only more complaining on Twitter and airports. <laughs> Off the gig in Sharm El Sheikh. Oh dear, how miserable. <laughs> Hashtag not a real DJ. Yeah. <laughs> and there was also another one. Let me find it from Guna Kerr. Has Lampard taken the right job at the wrong time? Ooh, no. Because if you're Frank Lampard, you take the Chelsea job whenever it's available. Yeah. Because what could happen then? They could have Allegri there. Then you don't get it. And actually, I think this is kind of the perfect time because they've sold their best player. Right. And there's a definite transition there. And actually, I think they're going through a transi- transition of identity. And I think, and I don't know this, maybe Chelsea fans will clarify. But you know how we mentioned a couple of times last year about how when there's a clear identity, kind of buys you more time. Because fans invest in youth. Yes. And if it's very clear that this is a process, because it, it wasn't sustainable the way that Chelsea were running that football club. No. This new brand of Chelsea with players like Mason Mount, scored in his home debut, got Tammy Abraham. Doing what Oscar was meant to done, yeah, yeah. Good young players coming through. You know, your record goal scorer as the manager. Mm. That's a lot of goodwill. It is, and I think that Lampard is playing some encouraging, his team's playing some encouraging football. In the first half, they were brilliant, I thought. It's just a stamina and game management. It's not even a, st- it's a game management thing, isn't it? It's how to manage games. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. I mean, I think it will come. Yeah. I, and, I you know, Leicester, I yeah. Leicester are not a, that's, you know, I think Leicester are going to surprise a lot. Well, maybe not surprise a lot of people because a lot of people are putting them as sixth, I saw this season, um, which I think is a little high. They but maybe there was a question about who's the new catfish from Ahmed Youssef. Yeah. Who in the Premier League will be the new catfish club? Will ever get Everton regain their catfish trophy or will there be a new cat in town? We should explain this, shouldn't we? Because those who um, listen to a Bonner podcast, we had a theme of like Everton basically being a catfish club who had this incredible squad, great players, really impressive manager. 
but they, ne- they always flattered to deceive. A bit like Belgium before Belgium really came yeah, good. Yeah, basically catfish. Yeah. Like catfish, the TV show, yeah, but yeah, in but, football form. But we need to explain. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, we, we, we termed Arsenal Everton as the super catfish show. Yeah, the super catfish show because they're both catfish teams. Yeah. yeah. They're not the catfish Everton. Do you know why? Because, and this is really important, the catfish, it's not just the results, it's the process. And the way Everton have engaged these first two games, there's been some really good game management. And what I like about it is you've got, you know, Bernard scoring. And the front line is really going to click, but they're solid. There's, there's, there's real growth. So they're not a catfish now. Bernard. 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 Our Bernard. Our Bernard. From Brazil. <laughs> so funny. Hey, I think Everton are going to be really good this season. I think so. I, like I said last week, I then, could see them breaking into that top six easy. Do you know who the catfish might be? I think it might be Watford. Oh. I think Watford might be the catfish because, see how they got done by Brighton? Uh-huh. And this weekend again, they struggled. Mm-hmm. And the cut final, I wonder, I wonder how, I mean, I know it was 6 I know it was City, and the people weren't expecting them to win, but I wonder how much that affected their momentum. I just don't know. I mean, it's intangible, because some, you know, they're professionals and they're, they're competitive people, but that 6-0 must have hurt. Yeah. If you think what they've done, Watford haven't really upgraded like the other teams have. And I just wonder if other teams, not that Watford have gone backwards, but other teams have leapt forward. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm. So they're a very good team, but I think they're going to actually, they might be the underachievers this year. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Actually, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, before we move on from the Premier League, there's another question. Sana Qureshi, what kind of thing is needed for Sheffield United to do away with their fun three-five-two formation? For example, what will it take to cross their joy? I love that. Or do you think they're in for the long haul? I'm really impressed by Sheffield United. Yeah, and I me think too. the thing is, though, if you look at what they did, they played a 3 5 2 at home this weekend and they had like a like, like less than like I think that 45% possession, even less. I think that's smart, though, against Palace. No, and I'm not, I'm not knocking it. What I'm saying is that's why I'm saying that I can't see them change anytime soon because the 3 5 2 is so compact in that context that, and I, I actually love it as a formation. It's one of my favourites. The only difficulty with 3 5 2 is it's really hard to get the wing backs and it's really got hard to get three centre backs that can play out mm. and are comfortable in that context. I mean, it's one of my favourite formations, but you don't see that often for that reason. And why change it? I think it's, they're going to be very durable. They're going to, they've taken what, four points in the first two games. They're going to cause trouble, for sure. They're yeah. going to cause trouble. They're going to be fine because they're a huge club. But I think to progress, staying in the league is massive. And I think their three-five-two is from the players they have, it really suits them. Absolutely. And they're going to hurt someone. If they get united on like a weeknight, They'll do us some damage, I think. I think they can sting a few teams away from home like that as well. Yeah, for sure. Especially, yeah, when you get into those cold winter evenings. They could have a bit of a Burnley element, actually, yeah. in terms of the organisation and the ability to punish teams. You know, there are some teams that when you're at 70%, mm. they come... F- I'm an Arsenal fan, I know that very well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> we could be at 100%. Yeah, I think they're, they're, here, yeah, they're here for the long haul, I think. Um, should we take a break and then come back? Absolutely, yeah. from the break uh, shout outs do you want to go first if you look on twitter twitter handle Brannick b-r-a-n-e-c-k dave Brannick wrote a wonderful essay for a non-league magazine they basically cover non-league football primarily in germany and they're called bloody hell magazine oh yeah and dave Brannick wrote a really lovely piece about going to watch hansa rostock playing against stuttgart vfb stuttgart 
but it's not just an essay about football. It's my, one of my favorite pieces of sports writing in the sense that the best pieces about sports, to my mind, are not actually about sport. They're about the kind of anthropology about sport, the context, the political context. And Dave just wrote a really great piece. Um, and I think it also sort of like has a nod to his background as a sort of academic, looking at sort of labor movement, labor rights, about the kind of historical context of Hansa Rostock and nationalism within the support and what that means for Germany in the sort of modern age. It's just a really lovely piece of writing. So yeah, that's Dave Brannick uh, on Twitter, at B-R-A-N-E-C-K. Nice. Thank you. Do you know who I want to shout out this week? The great commentator, Derek Ray, who covers the Bundesliga primarily, I think it's for Fox Sports, or he's on the Bundesliga international feed. Right. He commentated on Dortmund Augsburg on the weekend. And I just realised, I think he's my favourite commentator. There's something about uh, the way that he covers the Bundesliga. I think he yeah. lived in Germany, spent time in Germany, maybe studied here. Yeah. Speaks German fluently, I think. But I don't know. It's just like a very soothing voice. Lovely, soft Scottish accent. And I just thought during the game when I was watching it back, I was just like, oh man. Every time I watch a, a football game, or a Bundesliga game specifically, because he's usually on Bundesliga. Yeah. And it's commentated by Derek Ray. I think it adds, a li- it adds at least 10%, maybe 12. You know, commentators get a lot of criticism. I love that you flagged that up because the right ones add so much depth and context. Great shout. Great shout. Couple more questions before we move on. Yeah, why not? Let's go for it. What have we got? First one, our good friend, Justin Salhani. Ah, oh, Justin. Gorilla FC himself. Who is the most aesthetically pleasing player to watch in the world right now. Hey, come on, there's only one answer to that. Right now, for me, it's Shura Felix. Well, that's very nice because we had another one from Naji Naji. When are people going to stop pretending that Jao Felix isn't pure magic? He reminds me of a young Alessandro Del Piero. When I saw Del Piero breaking through, it was the volley he scored, I think, against Fiorentina. And the ball drops over his shoulder from like mm. 60 yards and he hits it the outside of his right foot. That is what Joao Felix has. The ability to combine, to beat players at speed. It's just... Should we save more of this yeah, for we'll when we talk it. about Atleti? We'll save yeah, We'll save it. Yeah, we could go off. I have thoughts. <laughs> yeah, we have so many thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the one that I found most enjoyable to watch in the summer, for example, at the World Cup, mm. was Rose Lavelle. She was my favourite player at the World Cup. Right. She kind of glides around. She breaks the lines, know? yeah. She yeah. glides around. She knits everything together. She, I mean, she, stri- <laughs> she strikes a ball with both feet. There was a couple in the World Cup we were tweeting about them. Do you remember yeah. what it was like? They were like Hadoukins. You know Absolutely. What I mean? Yeah, they're proper heat seekers, actually. Yeah. It's the way, you know what it is? I think it's the, you know, there are some players who, they're not flashing. It's all balance. Like, mm. I, I'm actually quite, I'm a fan of like the kind of the more elegant type of dribbling where it's minimalist. You know, like, it's totally like, minimalist, yeah. You know that she's got like all the tricks. You know that she can pull out, like she can hot dog anything, but she's like, okay, I've got 17 skills. This is the most efficient route to goal. This is the one that will maximize. Does that make sense? Mm. And that's what I like about the way she, she sort of moves, the balance. It's really great. You know, when Omar comes in the wire. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Omar coming, Omar coming. Yeah. That's kind of what I imagine people are saying when Rose Lavelle's running at him. Yeah. Rose is coming. Rose, Rose is, is coming. coming. Rose is coming. It's like Woody-o. everyone just gets out the way. Get rid of the stash. Like, run the hell away. Get rid of the stash. Yeah. It's funny because actually her goal in the final was funny because it almost, it's very rare that you get a, um, a goal that encapsulates someone's performance or someone's game. Mm. And it had all of that. Like all of her game was in that. Like the break and the fact that even when she shot, it was the best available option. That's what I love. Yeah. Like the, the truly great footballers and midfield providers, what she is, she's primarily a provider. But she looked around and she was like, 
now actually the most logical option for the team as a whole is for me to shoot in this position. And that's what I love. But you can actually see certain players, although they're moving at high speed, making decisions. Mm. Like her head is always moving. She's always looking for options. I love that. No, yeah, I nice. think she's one of my favourite players in world football, actually. Great shout. Okay, so let's move on. Where are we going? Spain or Germany? Ooh, Germany. Okay, let's go Germany. Germany, right. So first Bundesliga weekend. Yeah, first game in the Bundesliga for Union. Uh, They've been go beat- planned. Well, no, absolutely didn't. They got beaten 4-0 by RB Leipzig, Red Bull Leipzig. Rasenball Sport Leipzig. Yes, yeah. We've got the amazing Julian Nagelsmann as the coach. What's interesting about Nagelsmann is that last season, Leipzig had a great defensive record. One of the best in the division, if not the best. The failing was they only scored about 60-odd goals and Dortmund and Munich both scored about 80-odd. So there's a real shortfall on goals. And the question really was, can Nagelsmann get the goals out of that squad? Now, he made very few attacking signings this summer. So obviously he was like, I can work with that. process, yeah. And he did. Someone look at the scoreline and be like, oh, Union got drilled. They were terrible. They actually weren't. I think that... that um. Leipzig team is going to hurt a lot of teams this year. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a bit of a lesson for Union. Yeah, absolutely. About the gap between the Zweite Bundesliga and the, and the Bundesliga. For sure, yeah. It was strange. I don't think they played disastrously. No. But 4-0 was kind of fair in terms of the chances that Leipzig created. You know, they hit the bar as well. And there was a real moment before halftime where it looked like the game was really going to get away from Union. Right. And Leipzig just looked really, really fluid. They did. Going forward. I was quite impressed with them, actually. And I was impressed because... When you have a manager like Nagelsmann who's so process-focused, you know, and it's their philosophy and methods, and it usually takes quite a lot of time. Mm. But I was impressed with how they look. I remember Timo Werner during the World Cup got criticised quite heavily by Alan Shearer, actually. He made some great comments about the, the lack of quality in Timo Werner's movement off the ball. And it was really interesting. Shearer was like, why is he not making that run there? Ozil's getting criticised, but Werner should be in this channel. What was really great about Werner's movement against Union, and some might say it's only Union, was he pulled wide, but he also found room in the kind of like false nine spot in front of this. You know, his movement was fantastic. For his goal, it was, it yeah, was really good. He just dropped into that pocket just off the centre-backs. Right, but he was, was also really pulling good. out the channel. So yeah. this is a dynamic. He's obviously been integrated so well into the Nagelsmann attacking system. Mm. And that was exciting to see. That's, that's the development, I think. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I said on Twitter, Union have made a lot of sign-ins. And this is the third best team in the Bundesliga, probably. Absolutely. With the Nagelsmann factor. Yeah. It's not one I think they expected to win. And I mean, added to that, obviously there's the, the, the kind of complete polar opposites in terms of club philosophies that mm. people may have seen. I retweeted a thing that Archie Rintut was there and he gave a really good kind of summary of the situation before the game mm. when he was on, I think he was doing Fox Sports in the US. And the Union fans had a like an atmosphere boycott for the first 15 minutes because they don't consider RB Leipzig as a football club. Right. And they gave these like 11 reasons why. It's super interesting. I won't read them out here. Go and check the video. But it was kind of ironic. 15 minutes in, the Union fans, they counted down the last five seconds and then they started making loads of noise. And then like 50 seconds later, RB Leipzig took the lead. Brutal. One game, it's really difficult to make a massive judgment like that. But I I think my gut says that Union will be okay this season. I think I definitely think there are three worst teams in the Bundesliga. Right. You know, obviously two of them will definitely go down. Start with, so Bayern, well, not that interesting, but Bayern drew two all against Hertha. What I think is interesting about Bayern is they do look that little bit weaker. Put it this way. They haven't let forward in the same way that Dortmund have let forward in the transfer market. So this will again be a very tight championship, as we saw from Dortmund's result, which we'll get into in a second. But yeah, the Bayern... 
The Bayern struggle is going to be interesting this year. Dortmund. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. 35 seconds behind. Was it 35 or 39 to Augsburg at right. home? First game of the season. Everyone's like, here we go. And then Jadon Sancho, interesting enough, pointing to his back. Didn't kiss it, but pointed to it. And I'm like, ah, this is interesting. Like, you're doing the whole club loyalty thing. I like that a lot. Quite sweet. I like that. But it's, it's, so, it's so... He was brilliant on the weekend. He got a goal. He got an assist. Julian Brandt looked good as well. Julian Brandt off the bench. Beautiful See, goal. this is the thing about Dortmund this season. And yeah, it's one game and it's Augsburg at home. And I think Augsburg are going to struggle this season. But watching Dortmund last season, even when they're at their best, there was so clearly something that you could see falling apart at some point. Right. This looked like a more complete, balanced Dortmund eleven. Right. You're smiling at me. Am I? Am no, I, I'm a, I'm a, if I drank the Kool-Aid. No, no, it's not your fault. It's nothing you've done at all. It's... um. The fact that Dortmund bought Mats Hummels for that experience to help the back line Zagadou and then it was his error. Zal <laughs> position. Like <laughs> I was like, it's so sensible on paper. Bring back Mats Hummels to, to Dortmund and he'll short the back line, help out Zagadou, like you know, and then he's he's caught out of position three times for the expert goal. That's In cool. the words of the great philosopher Alanis Morissette. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it ironic? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. So but good. They did look really good. And yeah, Torgan Hazard played well. Julian Brandt coming off the bench. And Weigl Hakimi back fit. Weigl looked good. Mm. Sancho's brilliant. And Vitzel was Marco hot dog. Royce. Vitzel was Vitzel's hot dog. pass for Julian Brandt's goal. <sighs> Beautiful. I mean, yeah, he stepped up. He leveled Beautiful. up. Beautiful. One quick last shout on Bundesliga before we go to La Liga. Paderborn. Shout out to Paderborn. I think they've got like a home, they've got like a capacity of 15,000. They're like the smallest club in the Bundesliga. And they got beaten by Leverkusen 3-2, but it was a really good game. It was a good game, though, and actually. And do what I love about it, Kai Havertz, goal and an assist. But the funny thing about that game was it was like Kai Havertz just coming in and adding a touch of class to settle the gunfight. Wow, it got real. Like Paderborn were doing pretty well on the break and then he just comes in and settles. And both times he intervenes, there's all this chaos and Kai Havertz just like has a glorious chip to finish comes in with the assist where kind of plays the sort of Iniesta pass, the assist before the assist um, for Leverkusen's third goal. And he was just the difference. But the fact that Paderborn, despite having sold two of their best forwards, really looked quite smart, quite streetwise. Mm. And I, I hope they stay up just because I think it's a great message that yeah, it'd be fun with great do. coaching, yeah, you can stay up. So yeah, fingers crossed. For them. Never mind so much sauce. Kai Havertz. Sophila Zorza. Listen, we got, we've, listen, you know what? Our listeners, they get, they get a mixed bag on this podcast for sure. Yeah. German accents to get like pop culture references. Are they still there? Hello? <laughs> Is this thing on? Anyone? Anyone? Ladies? Gentlemen? Anyone <laughs> that, John, that John Travolta gif in Pulp Fiction. Oh my God, slipping yeah. around. Uh, right, we need to go to Spain. Let's go on to Drow. So, Goodness <sighs> gracious me. You called it Isn't though. it funny? You called it. Isn't it funny how the first game of La Liga season, Atleti's best players left. They've signed one of Europe's hottest prospects. It's all new. They've got Getafe first game of the season. Getafe. It's 1-0 and there's two red cards. They didn't need to play that game. No. Right? They could have just said, right, gentleman's agreement, handshake, 1-0, two red cards. We can just save everyone a whole evening, right? If historians look at Atletico Getafe in 2019, they will expect to find that outcome. They'll expect yeah, it, a 1-0. Any game over the last 12 years, probably, eh, nine, 10 years. Nine, 10 years, yeah. That result could have happened. Atletico, I, mean, I mean, for those who didn't watch Getafe regularly, didn't they have the most fouls in Europe? 
The most tactical foul, certainly. This ticked every single box of every single cliche of both sides, you know? This game gave me all the content I needed from a football match. Yeah. The thing is, Getafe are Getafe so badly, they don't even have to try to get red cards anymore, (laughs) right? Molina got sent off just for accidentally clipping Thomas Partey, right? And he got booked for it. And then they went to VAR. And because he basically, Thomas Partey ran across, right? Yeah. It looks so nasty on the replay because it looks like he's trodden on his Achilles, which right. he did. But he didn't make a challenge, I don't think. Right. He was just running and he got, he got a straight red for it. Their reputation precedes yeah. them. Do you know what they're like? Do you know when Al Pacino got the Oscar Incentive Woman, right? Yeah. And it wasn't even his best role. It was just like, he's Pacino. He must get it. And just give like, it him. It's, it's like that. It's like everyone just expects Getafe now. When I saw the Getafe red, it was almost like I felt, I know it sounds terrible. I kind of felt happy. I was like, this is the blessed content that I came for. Yeah. There are some things in football that are just like blessed content, right? Like, like a particular nutmeg, which you'll get onto, or um, a Leo Messi free kick. It's what I call blessed content. And that, Getafe Ricard is just like, I got what I needed from this weekend. I got my Do you diet. know what I was like when that happened? My vitamins. You know that, uh, that meme of Thomas Hanks in the green? Uh, Thomas Hanks? <laughs> Thomas. That's his mother calls him. Thomas? <laughs> the 15th US president. Thomas, Thomas Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks in the green mile. When he has a wee for the first time and he gets <laughs> and he's just like oh. <laughs> that was my face when like the Getafe red went the first red I was just like oh my god this is exactly what I'm here everything is right place <laughs> yeah. everything's right place yeah and then the ref obviously realised that he'd probably made a massive error right because Ren and Lodi got sent off just for jumping for a header right about like a few minutes later wasn't it yeah it was like three or four minutes later yeah he just jumped for a header he was already on a booking. Mm. He caught a guy, the guy with his arm, but it, was, it, it wasn't a, an wasn't elbow no, or anything no, like that. It, it was just a flailing arm and it was soft. Sent off. I think he leveled up, didn't he? Oh, but then, but then but of course, then Joao Felix took over. That run for the penalty. Do you know what's crazy about that run? Because there's the highlights you'll find on social media. But the run starts before, the, the, the run, I think the footage is like 15 seconds. The run actually, literally starts yeah. 12 minutes before the penalty. Yeah. <laughs> he beats, <laughs> well, he beats someone before, with a body swerve, before receiving possession. Yeah. On like the halfway line. It's, it's really reminiscent, actually, the beginning of that too. You remember Messi's goal against Athletic? Oh, that's a nice shot. Where he kind of starts roughly about the halfway line on the right-hand side. And he's got like three or four guys around him. Beats a couple. Looks like he's probably going to get fouled. And kind of ha- someone has a swing at him. But then he, he kind of rides that. And then he's gone again. And then it's like eight players running towards goal. And it's- just kind of jowl on the right-hand side. And Morata in the box. I think they were pretty much the only two Atleti yeah. players in sight and gets into the box. I think the actual penalty challenge itself was really soft. It was. But, but he was it exhausted. was almost like, he was exhausted. Oh, you just, just give it him, just give it him. <laughs> like, which Murata then missed the penalty. But Joao Felix, to me, is interesting because I, I mentioned Del Piero, but also when I mentioned Baggio, when, when Baggio brought... High praise. Yeah, when Baggio broke through that goal he scored in Czech Republic in uh, Italian 90, mm. And what I love about it is the cleanliness. It's how, again, we talk about you know, Rose Lavelle, but how clean the running is, the angles. Mm. When he's moving with the ball, he's making optimal decisions all the time. And that's what's so exciting about him as a footballer, is the choices. Yeah, because he, he's one of those players, like you said about Pogba last week, he doesn't look quick. Right. He doesn't actually look that quick, Jao no. Felix, but all of a sudden he's away. Yeah. And you can't figure out whether that's just pure pace or whether that's a slight movement he's done that's throwing people off that's got him that. You know, because he doesn't yeah. look like he's lightning quick. And well, it looks they, like running's a little bit more effort. Well, they mentioned with Iniesta, didn't they, that um, it's the change of pace that gets you. Mm. And, which is strange, I think, because Iniesta never looked fast. But if you watch, you know, what he does to 
He Sorry. almost looks a little bit flat-footed at times in the Esther. Right, no, I think that's how they get you. Yeah. That's how they get you. They make you, they, they unbalance you and they make you sort of question your own sort of, you know, oh, I was like, oh, where am I? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> God bless Abu Dhabi. It's the only time I've ever seen Abu Dhabi look remotely stressed it was an Iniesta was running mm. at him and made him sit down. Mm. And basically it was an armchair in the camp now, wasn't there for him? I mean, yeah. just sort of, yeah. And the rest of the Arsenal players. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Just... Paul Abu caught it first. I imagine them teasing the way back. They're like, oh, Abu, we're so sorry. Why first... did you have to bring that up? Was the... We were doing so well. We were talking about Chao Felix. I was in my happy place. And then you brought up Arsenal against Barca. Only because, do you know why? Because poor guy, he was the first guy. And everyone, the first guy always gets it in the neck. You know, I don't like talking about Abu Dhabi because it makes me too sad. We love Abu. Listen, Abu. Honestly, one of the, the ones that got away that, yeah. in terms of pure legend. What a midfielder. <sighs> what a skill set. Like, yeah. like you mentioned that time when Pogba came out and said, players that are better than me and he throws in Diaby yeah. you're just like you mentioned Kroos you mentioned Iniesta and you mentioned Diaby yeah. elsewhere in La Liga where do you want to go next? we have to talk about Barca we do because we're going to play out this week on a tune that's going to be dedicated to the great Aritz Adoris what a player and I think it was the first time that um, Athletic had beaten Barca in about six, six seven years I think uh, in, um, in uh, La Liga I, I think that's about right. It hadn't been for a long, long time. Scored a spectacular scissor kick. And Barca? Well, I think two minutes in the end he scored. But before that, Barca, they made heavy going of it. And they're going to actually have a tough time this season, not because of the players in their squad, but because actually of the management. And I, I praised Valverde before on the Rabona podcast. But I am now noticing that I think there are many respects in which he's holding that squad back. Do you know I say that? My one major criticism of Valverde is use of speed. I've never seen a manager with so much speed in his squad and so averse to using it. Yeah, but, but how many times do they end up camped in the opposition half? Well, so when Luis Enrique was there, obviously, they had this, um, this attacking formation where you had Messi. Messi was basically a 10, but he wasn't more of a midfielder. You had... Um, Suarez, who was kind of a nine, but really a false nine, more of a 10, dropping deep. And then Neymar, who wore the number 11, was actually the true nine. And they used to attack on this diagonal, which is beautiful. They'd attack right to left mm -hmm. consistently. And the final goal they scored of that season was a classic example. They attacked right to left on the break. Neymar finishes. And that was really what, that was the model that Barca could have used. Yeah, but I think so much of their speed came from midfield. You know, and it didn't actually come from pure pace. It came from the speed of ball movement. The, the reason I'm critical, I, I'm sorry to like, harp on this because I'm, I'm actually a big fan of Valverde the reason I'm critical is because when we go out to that, that game against Liverpool second leg and Liverpool knew that if Coutinho was the attacking outlet they weren't going to be hurt and that's the problem if you've got players you know with the kind of speed and mobility of Malcolm as a tremendous options I mean that's, the, that's a weird one for me though. that's that's I'm telling you that's what I'm saying you know? and also don't forget how good Semedo was terrific in the lead up to that, Semedo was so, so good. And they go with Sergio Roberto. So for me, Valverde's use of speed, I think that is a, um, there's an element where he, he wants to contain the game and manage the game by using players that are maybe technically more adept or they can, you know, Sergio mm -hmm. Roberto's got a very high, what you call like a footballing IQ. Not that Semedo's not a great player, but Sergio Roberto in that system is, you can just rely on him in six different positions. And I almost feel like Valverde, his approach works in 85% of cases, 90% of cases. But the final 10% that takes Barca from a, a very, very good team to a, a team that's dominant in Europe, 
I think his use of speed, if I can level any criticism at him, and I say that as a, a big fan of his, I think it's the use of speed and the change of pace. That's my only criticism. But Fair play. Yeah. Also, Athletic are just a tough team to beat I at mean, any point. Yeah, going to, going to Summer Mess is no joke. No one wants that problem. What an atmosphere. Yeah. Just looked amazing. When they scored that goal, that's that's a that's one on the bucket list we've got to do this. And year, they love him so much as well. I do well, yeah, he yeah. announces that this is his last season, 38 years old, scores an unbelievable goal. And this was one of those moments that I love football Twitter when it's just the goal goes in and it's just people being like sharing the same holy one. shit. Like the same like, like oh Dybala's chip yeah. against yeah, yeah, yeah. Dybala's chip, yeah. My game of the weekend though in La Liga was Villarreal Granada. Okay, well I wonder why that is. Santi Cazorla wearing the number eight now and the captain's armband for Villarreal. He's beautiful, isn't he? He's pure. You know when you watch basketball, there's some basketball players, they're just, like when other players talk about them, they're like, he's like Lou Williams for the LA Clippers. Or when you have Grime, you're like, every MC has got their favourite. It's like, it's the double, like they are Grime. Santi Cazorla embodies football. Does that make sense? He's like the footballer's footballer. Yeah, 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 right. He's the, he's the embodiment and just the simple things that he does well they're not simple but the change of direction the the maintenance of play the change of tempo I mean his penalty was brilliant I love the way he takes penalties and his pass for Moy Gomez's goal he's in the central midfield position he plays the ball out left right to jabbing Kintia I think and then Kintia cuts it back Moy Gomez just like slots it in but it was just it was so lovely the pass before the goal the pass yeah. before the pass yeah, yeah. the pass the before pre-assist. the pre-assist it was so good um Hey, Roberto Soldado scored for Granada though against his old club. I like Soldado. I'm always, I always feel sorry for players that have a great career momentum and then it just dies at some point. One of those players who should have opted to be a Robin Hood footballer. Yeah, but stayed, didn't. Should have stayed at the sort of small club and taken from the big ones. Yeah. Talking of Robin Hood footballers um, who did their best work at small clubs against big clubs. One of them was in action the other day, but got a bad result. So Iago Aspas for Celta Vigo, but Real looked actually really quite good. They did. Real Madrid are just like, you know what I hate to say Real Madrid are that? They're like the rich kid at school that always ends up fine. Oh, um, yeah. They're the rich kid who ends up fine. Like they, they, they've, got, they've got the money and the connections to just go through it. They look what they've done this year. They've gone through it. Like they've had this like awful transfer window. Well, not, well, not awful. It's been great. They've brought they a great place. Hazard. I know, I know. But you know, you know Real Madrid, they're like, by their standards, right? They're not happy with it. Well, are they ever really that happy? But <laughs> they go, it's so dysfunctional, but it they're works. They're going to get Neymar as well. So it works like because Bale was great the other day. Madrid were impressive. That's a tough place to get a good result. And they came out looking like, actually, those three are going to, again, look dangerous. Because mm. if Madrid are still not fully clicking and they come with a result like that, having gone down to 10 men with an awful red card decision against Modric, mm. then they're going to be there and thereabouts. So yeah, as Sid Lowe said, we have a league. <laughs> um, right, we should get out of here. We've run super long. Oh, sorry. So okay, we're going to yeah. play out this week on Margie Joseph, knockout. Such Sending this one out to Adoritz for his goal. Uh, and before we go, please find us on all your uh, social media platforms. We're at Stadio on Twitter. Twitter. Are we Stadio Football on Instagram? We we're, are, Musa. We're Stadio. You should know this. I'm, so, I'm getting old and getting old. I'm, I'm greying and balding. Stadio.football is the Listeners, website. you can't see me, but I'm greying and balding. I know I don't have a Twitter um, avatar, but I'm greying and balding at the moment. And finally, yeah, if you could maybe just tell anyone like a friend acquaintance who you think might be into the podcast subscribe share rate um yeah all yeah the, the ratings on itunes would be really handy yeah if that's cool we've and got a, a few in a review, if you like yes absolutely yeah yeah anyway playing out margie joseph knockout we'll be back next week take care see you soon bye bye
Baby. 